Today's topic is called Truth. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you could join me today in another in the series Give Me the Bible. In these programs we endeavour to try to put some of the important life issues into perspective. The Bible is about life and in this ancient and treasured book we can find answers that make sense. The Bible teaches that human beings are loved by our Heavenly Father, and that includes you and me as well. The Bible outlines how we should live, and as well, those sacred words give us hope, hope for the future. Today we're going to consider the subject of truth. There are a number of religious groups that claim they have the truth. Included among these are Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Muslims and others which I won't name at this moment. Yet, each of these groups has a different set of doctrines. Therefore, one may be very suspicious of their we've got the truth claims. Some of these groups go even further and say that you cannot be saved unless you belong to their denomination. And that's a bit like saying to a child, you have to do what you're told or you won't get any presents. You need to be wary of any group that says you can't be saved unless you belong to their organisation. Don't be fooled. They're trying to manipulate you. But what is truth anyway? The answer to this question is not as simple as it may seem. The dictionary definition is that truth is something which conforms to actuality or fact. It's a statement that is perceived to be free of error. But truth can be even more complex than that. For many, truth is something that has majority acceptance. In other words, if the majority of people accept that particular idea or statement, then it's generally regarded as being true. But majority agreed truth is dangerous. Because the majority agrees on something doesn't make it true or right. For example, at one time in Earth's history, the majority were agreed on the idea that planet Earth was flat. Were they right? Not at all. But back then, to make a statement that the Earth is flat was the truth. So... If truth is dependent on majority opinion and on circumstances for which there is a limited amount of information, 
Truth is very subjective. It could be well described as finite truth, that is, truth that's true for the time or the circumstances. What may be considered true today may not be tomorrow. Is there any statement regarding life that will not vary? Is there anything that can be relied upon to remain true always? That is, is there any such thing as absolute truth? The question may be asked in another way. Is there any infinite truth? Is there any truth that will remain true always, not dependent on variabilities, not dependent on time, not dependent on changing circumstances and not depending on human fickleness? Is there anything where changing times, changing information, changing perceptions and changing facts will not make any difference? Will the statement of truth remain unchanged always and always be valid? Now that sort of truth is worth having. It is universal and it can be depended on. The only way one may have such truth is bound up in who presents that truth. I may something that is regarded as true, but because of human limitations, because of time or changing circumstances, what I said may not be true at a future time. Here's an example of that, a finite truth. You ask someone how they're going. They reply that they are well. What they said may be perfectly true, but if they catch the flu or perhaps contract a life-threatening disease, then the answer that they are well will no longer be true. Only someone who is not subject to human vagaries, someone who is infinite and eternal, is capable of giving infinite truth, that is, absolute truth. Well, that being is God. God is infinite. God is eternal. God is not affected by hormones, by changing moods, changing information and the like. Because God is all-knowing, all-powerful and omnipresent, whatever God says may be relied on. The Bible, speaking about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, says this, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. And then we have this statement in the book of James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God does not change. Therefore, it can be expected that whatever God says will be truth. And not just finite truth, but infinite truth. Truth that is and will always remain truth. So, where do we find what God says? In his word, the word of God, the Bible, of course. The Bible is truth. It explains itself, and we can find this in the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 17. Jesus says, while praying to the Father, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God confirms it. Truth is to be found in God's book, the Bible. But it goes even further than this. On one occasion, Jesus announced to a group of Jews who believed in him, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now this is a remarkable statement. It is rich in meaning, but I'll share two of those meanings with you. Firstly, you know how you feel when you've lied to someone or deliberately deceived them. The relationship becomes strained and you're constantly worried that you might get found out. You become stressed and it is impossible to be your normal self, although you might try to hide that you're unhappy about the wrong you have done. But when you're able to confess that you have done wrong, when you reveal the truth, what a wave of relief comes over you. There may be consequences, but when the truth is revealed, you feel like you've been let out of jail. You've been freed from all that concealment and guilt. The truth has set you free. By the way, did you know that a very large proportion of people who have mental breakdowns have them because of guilt and suppression of the truth? Jesus' words are so correct, the truth shall make you free. Secondly, there is a much grander meaning. Most people are trapped in a world where sin dominates their lives. Don't misunderstand this point. There are many people who apparently live good lives, but live with popular but false concepts. Take, for example, of what happens when someone dies. It is a very widespread belief that most people go straight up to heaven. That's a lie. The Bible definitely does not teach that. When sinners give their hearts to the Lord, 
there is a change in those people. No, they will not necessarily become saints overnight, but the direction of their lives changes. Instead of serving themselves, they become selfless and want to please others. To escape the clutches of sin and a sinful life is freedom. They are set free. You see, this business is not just theoretical. It is real and very practical. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 reminds us, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. You know, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories told by people who've been imprisoned in sin, who subsequently turned to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. And they all tell of the burden that was lifted from their minds. They were freed from doing what they knew was wrong and could choose to do what was right. The freedom one gets from knowing the truth is better than all the medicines in the world. Now, there is a remarkable statement in the Gospel of John, chapter 24 and verse 6. It is a statement made by none other than Jesus himself. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. We're going to have a little musical break and then we'll come back afterwards. And through each gloomy day 
Take my hand, oh precious Lord, and help me on my way. Give me strength that I might find abiding faith and peace of mind, and I won't ask where do I go from here. Just before the break. I read a statement made by Jesus himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now here we have a new concept. Truth is not just something that is true. True is a truth, rather, I should say, is a person, God. I'm able to understand this a little better because of my biological father. You see, my dad gave each of us four children a nickname. My sister June was called Joe, and my brother Ian was either Iron or Fritz. My younger brother, Graham, was called Tacky or Taff, and I was called Lamb or honour. In my case, honour was not just a characteristic, but it was me. Jesus was called truth. Truth was not just a characteristic of his, it was him. Everything about Jesus was truth. He could never tell a lie because he was truth. In him, there were no lies, no deception, no ulterior motives, because he was God, he was truth. This little analogy now help you may serve to help you understand a little better. In our back garden we have an apricot tree. Sometimes we refer to it as the apricot. It only produces apricots because it is an apricot. So it is with God. He produces truth because, because he is truth. And that's a good reason for us to rejoice. Because God is true and faithful and loving and merciful. These characteristics exist because that is what he is. And the really good thing about that is that we human beings receive the benefits. We receive grace and may have our sins forgiven because God is not only gracious, but he is grace. Earlier in today's program, I mentioned absolute truth. There's a lot of philosophical debate about this subject. Humanists, that is, those who regard everything that happens, happens without the actions of God, are very reluctant to admit that there is any such thing as absolute truth. Christians and others are prepared to recognise the presence of absolute truth 
as they link absolute truth with God. Even so, there are some Christians who are a little uncertain about what they believe. You see, God has given in both written form and orally an expression of absolute truth. It is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, or the Moral Law, as it's sometimes called, is not only a set of laws for harmonious living, but is an expression of God's character. They say what they say because that is what God is like. God is a God of love. Yes, God is loving, but more than that, he is love. In him is no evil, no deception, no hate. He cannot hate because he is love. To use the analogy I referred to earlier, he cannot produce paddy melons because he is apricot. So, because God is eternal, because he is infinite and not limited by the constraints of being human, what he says is absolute truth. Therefore, the Ten Commandments are a statement of absolute truth. In the past, God's law was applicable. It is applicable in the present time and will always remain applicable in the future. As long as God's law exists, uh, sorry, as long as God exists, God's law will exist. A lady was telling me the other day that one of her friends is a member of a popular mainline Protestant church. The friend said that it was no longer necessary to keep the Ten Commandments, as, to use her words, they were done away with. But this is very confused theology. God's law has never been done away with. Jesus died on the cross to fulfill the legal obligations of the law. By doing that, he upheld the law. Jesus graphically illustrated the fact that God's law stands forever. We find his profound statement in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, where he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, Not one jot or one tittle Shall in no wise pass from the law Until all be fulfilled. What Jesus is saying is that the law of God stands as long as heaven and earth exist. Nothing is removed, not even a dot on an I or the cross on a T. In reality, the friend who spoke to the lady who spoke to me probably is quite happy with nine of the Ten Commandments because she recognised that those commandments not only protect others in society, but they also protect her. 
What she really means is that she wants a way to wriggle out of the obligation to keep the seventh day Sabbath. The King James Version of the Bible says regarding the law in Psalms 19 and verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So who does that lady think she is? It sounds like she thinks she knows better than God. It sounds like she reckons God made a mistake and put in one law that is supposedly redundant. You see, there are those who misunderstand what the Apostle Paul said, that we are not under law but under grace. What we need to understand is that we will never be saved by keeping the law. We will only be saved because of the grace of God. Grace that he gives us. Grace because we have done what? We've broken the law. The book of Romans clearly explains all this and it would be worth your while to read through the whole book of Romans. The Apostle Paul emphatically explains in Romans 3.31, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid! Yes, we establish the law. The Apostle Paul is saying in no way is the law done away with because of faith in Christ. Instead, the opposite is true. Faith in Christ sets the law on an even firmer foundation. And then the Apostle Paul goes even one step further, where in Romans 7.12 he says, Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Why would something that is holy and just and good be thrown out? Throwing out God's law just doesn't make any sense. You see, God's law is absolute because God is absolute. People who choose to defy God and pick and choose what they want to obey do so at their own peril, because if they do not obey, then they have disobeyed, and there are consequences for disobedience. It's my opinion that preachers who stand up in a pulpit and teach that God's law has been nullified, that is, done away with, have a lot to answer for. What they teach is a blatant lie and it comes about from not understanding what the word of God really says and it comes about because they want to please their parishioners. They should consider what Galatians 6 verse 7 says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows that shall he also reap. It is mockery of God to say that the law has been done away with. 
those who are responsible for telling those lies will someday have to pay for their lies. But, dear listeners, do not get the idea that I'm saying we must keep the law to be saved. No, we are saved purely because of the grace and mercy of God. The law cannot save us. But as we grow in our Christian experience, we will more and more perfectly produce the characteristics and characters that the law outlines. So then, to go back to where we started, is there any absolute truth? Yes, absolute truth is found in God, who is eternal, infinite and absolute. Absolute truth is found in God's word, particularly in the Ten Commandments. Why don't you make a sincere commitment to God today and say to him, Yes, Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done for me, and I will make every effort to honour you by keeping your commandments, all of them. I have made that commitment and it would give joy to the angels in heaven if you would make that commitment too. What about it? Our time is up. We must stop. Please join me again next time for another in the series, Give Me the Bible. Until then, I wish you much joy, God's blessings, and peace.